This is Indian Noir, India's number one horror, crime and dark fantasy storytelling podcast. Dev Asur, Season 1, Episode 4 The shrapnels from the exploded ballista raced in all directions, and one skewered the Giruda squadron fighter, who had offered Tejas a tough match-up in the skies. The creature fell down towards the burning wreckage as Tejas surveyed the aftermath of the explosion. His company had shrunk even smaller as a result of the bombing. How many bodies will I have to bury today? he asked himself the smoke haze was clearing but he struggled to spot bilvir and shreya he was about to call out their names when a commotion caught his attention indrasena had been rampaging for the last half an hour on her two-headed elephant a child of airavata indra's favorite ride Indrasena lanced victims with a long golden spear as the elephant disemboweled Dhanava soldiers with its long sharp tusks or grabbed and flung their flailing bodies into the distance with its mighty trunk or stomped on their bodies with its powerful legs instantly converting them into mushy pulp but now with enough numbers on their side the dhanavas had managed to swarm her and bring the elephant down Tejas saw Indrasena disappear into a horde of teeming Dhanava bodies. No, Tejas uttered an involuntary shout. He could see other Deva soldiers, including Indrasena's bodyguards, fighting to save her from the attackers. Tejas was about to fly out to them when he heard Shreya shout, Sena Adhikari, it is now or never. Tejas looked down to find Balveer and Shreya standing together. their weapons glinting in their iron grip in the light of the ever brightening orb tendrils of magical discharge erupted from its polished surface as it began glowing as if a star was being birthed in its innards they had minutes before it opened up a tear in the fabric of reality large enough to teleport in vast hosts of the danava army they just had to make a quick call They were close enough to the orb to launch a final attack. It was now or never. But how? 
the last of the blessed ballistas was gone. Blade and arrows wouldn't dent the portal engine, which was powered by magic. It would take several Gandharva commanders to come together and combine their elemental magic to bring the infernal object down. But his kind were engaged in intense battles across land and air, or worse, dead in large numbers. Felled from the skies, and now resting atop the dead bodies of their still wards. Together in war till the very bloody end. Magic destroys magic, a voice said to him. Tejas looked at his staff. He suddenly knew what to do. Cover me, Tejas shouted. Protect the commander at all costs. Belvir bellowed. Several companies of Deva soldiers joined hands to lead the ground surge towards the portal engine. Two Gantharva commanders flew escort to Tejas in the skies as they raced towards the orb which was defended by a host of Dhanava soldiers. It was also protected by a translucent magical shield wall conjured by the dancing Naga priests. Inspired by this bold charge, Deva soldiers in other locations on the battlefield fought with even greater vigor. They rallied against increasingly difficult odds with renewed enthusiasm. The Dathias were rocked to their core by the newfound frenzy their enemies displayed towards them. In the skies, Tejas and the two Gantharvas brought down flying were creatures with quick strikes of their vicious weapons. They shattered limbs, rendered wings, and sent their enemies plummeting to the war-torn earth. The heavenly hosts flew and fought as one in a mesmerizing display of aerial violence. Shrey and Belvir led the charge into the wall of bodies protecting the radiant orb. They shredded the defensive wall with their frenzied blade strokes and thrusting spears. Murderous swings and bloody sweeps of sharp weapons saw Dathias and Nagas and Dashas losing body parts and bleeding to their deaths. Battle cries bolstered the murderous desires of Indra's ranks as several Yakshas, including Belvir, tore their opponents limb to limb. Apsaras performed a fluid ballet of rippling blade work to land kill shots. Arrows found their marks in eyes and mouths. Maces crushed ribs and squished heads. <laughs> Shaurya company lived up to its esteemed name as they poured their fury into the battle, inspiring the battle brothers and sisters who had joined up to their cause. The result was inevitable. The protectors responsible for guarding the steps to the portal engine were wiped from the face of the planet, lit by the twin moons. Our heroes rushed up the stairs, towards the platform, where the thrumming teleportation engine rested, emitting a violet hue.
Arrows and spears lobbed at the portal engine were buffered by the magical wards, sustained by the dancing Naga priests who were now fully naked. Their bodies were covered in flesh wounds in the shape of magical sigils, which served the dual purpose of activating the portal engine and protecting it. They were soldiers who attempted to attack the priests, suffered the torment of electric bolts of magical power, which burned them crisp. <coughs> Dhanava soldiers, who realized their valuable treasure was in danger, drew back from their forward combat positions and rushed back to base. On the ground, Shreya took responsibility to array a shield wall against the oncoming rush of their monstrous enemy. She realized their energies were better spent in this manner, as their attempts to damage the portal engine had failed. Only the Gantharvas could offer a solution to the problems posed by the barrier of vile sorcery surrounding their target. Whatever you do, do it quickly, Senadikari! Shreya shouted at Tejas as a screaming pack of Danavas hurled themselves at the Deva shield wall. Hold! Tejas acknowledged the message. He observed that his fellow Gandharva commanders had engaged the priests with their magical staffs and were having some success against them. But they were short on time. The portal was active. A tear appeared in the middle of the orb. On the other side were thousands of Dhanavas arrayed in serried ranks on the swampy terrain of their home planet, Guru. Crush and kill! Behold! I am not going to allow this. They just snarled. There was no time to defeat the Naga priests in one-on-one -on -one magical combat before bringing down the sorcerer's defensive shield and destroying the portal engine. He heard Shreya and Belvir's war cries as they raged at a furious pack of Daityas and Nagas and Dashas and the elite soldiers of the Giruda squadron. Now or never, Tejas muttered. He raised up his cherished staff, chanted the incantation of Agni, and threw it into the vibrating, flaring orb. In the aftermath of the destruction of the portal engine, the Davis cut a bloody swathe through the Danava ranks. The demoralized horde of were-creatures were quickly routed. The bloodied and bruised Gantharvas and Yakshas and Apsaras stood on the dead bodies of their enemies singing victory anthems that praised the might of Indra's forces. They sang to celebrate their triumph. They sang to remember those who had passed in the line of duty. Men and women in arms who had sacrificed themselves for a greater cause and their fellow soldiers. A mournful wind swept through the battlefield, carrying with it smoke and cries and the stench of death. Tejas stood atop a rocky outcrop 
scanning the battlefield with tears in his eyes. He was waiting to hear from a fellow Gandharva commander who had gone to investigate the plight of Indrasena. They just dug his nails into the soft flesh of his palm to dull his anxiety. Around him, captains and foot soldiers helped the injured or cleared the dead bodies. The remains were being carted to base camp to be prepped for mass burials. The ceremony was to be held before dawn at a location near the battlefield. That was the Deva way, to be interred in the arena where you fell fighting. Tejas watched the dried bloodstains on the soil. They were shaped like cursed continents. He heard wings flapping above and looked up. The commander who had embarked on a fact-finding mission had returned. He landed a few meters away from Tejas and walked towards him with a grim look on his face. As he marched forward, he accidentally stepped on a dead crow man, a member of the Garuda squadron. The Gantharva commander expressed disgust on his face and said to Tejas, Look at these wretches! They have taken on the name of the Holy Mound of Lord Vishnu. These freaks don't deserve to be associated with the Trimurthis. Tejas responded, They worship Lord Garuda with more devotion than any of the Gantharvas I have laid eyes on. The Dhanavas have their beliefs. We have ours. And we are both going to die for it on the battlefield. Is that not the law of war? A fence-sitter, then. Hmm. The other Gantharva commander scoffed. I'm not wise enough to judge which point of view is more virtuous than the other. I'm willing to accept this. But it does not prevent me from doing my duty towards my people. Tejas said. This observation was met with the dismissive wave of the hand from the other commander. What did you find out? Tejas asked. What we suspected, the other Gantharva said. Tejas's glance fell to the floor in disappointment. She's gone. They took Indrasena. The burial ceremony was a solemn occasion. Gantharva commanders flew around with gold vessels containing holy water from the Akashaganga, the river that ran through Indrapuri. They anointed the nameless graves that were arrayed in thousands of rows with the divine liquid. The graves themselves were only identifiable by the weapons of the dead which were arranged to form a headstone. Crumpled and bloody helmets, shattered shields, broken swords, and damaged spears were planted in the soil to remember their departed owners. Some of the commanders, including Tejas, made speeches. Post the speeches, the Yaksha and Apsara ranks formed an honor guard, and walked through the graveyard, raising their fist before each grave as a mark of respect. 
They muttered, Death has no dominion over heroism. Or, Your deeds will live forever in the halls of Indrapuri. Or, Sorgaloga owes you, child of Ma Kalpaka, to honor their sacrifice. They marched back to camp once the formalities were done to prepare for the journey back to Sorgaloka. Search parties had failed to find any trace of Indrasena, and Deva mages who had investigated psychic contrails of the chilling event were convinced she had been teleported to another planet. It was time to return home to face the music and to devise an effective rescue mission. Interstellar transportation was the domain of Gantharvas who had mastered one of the most mysterious of elements amongst the Panchabhuta. It was called Akasha. The yellow Marathaka in their staffs were capable of manipulating the fabric of space to transport thousands of troops across the vast universe. These Gantharvas were called Ethermayas, a specialist group of mages who made Indra's numerous interstellar conquests possible. The vile portal engine was an attempt by the Dhanavas to recreate this technology. Currently, the Dhanavas only had small portal engines to help them transport dozens of soldiers at a time. But till they managed to teleport the numbers the Ethermayas could achieve, they couldn't be a force to be reckoned with in the universe. They had been trying for centuries to master the technology, and today's attempt was one amongst many of their grand failures. The Dhanavas might have failed today, but the Devas knew their enemies would try again and again till they succeeded. And once their objective was achieved, massive hordes could pour into the city of Indrapuri and destroy the beacon of hope and freedom and justice in the universe. The Ethermaya Gantharvas, one hovering up in the sky and two on the ground, unleashed beams of light from their staffs, which joined together to create a triangle at the entrance to the Deva base camp. The glowing portal allowed ranks of Deva soldiers to march through it to their home planet, Swargaloka. Shreya was supervising the march of the Shaurya company soldiers through the portal when she realized Balvir, who had been standing beside her the whole time, had disappeared. After designating the supervisory role to a subordinate, she went looking for him. She found him standing at the edge of the recently consecrated graveyard, gazing at the sprawl of burial sites, the final resting home of some of the bravest Deva soldiers they had the honor of serving with. However, Shreya knew from years of working with Belvir that the sorrow he carried in his heart was not just for the colleagues he had lost recently. Belvir had lost someone special, and these funerals always reminded him of that loss. She never asked him about it out of respect, but maybe now was the time to do so. Shreya placed a comforting hand on his muscular shoulders. He didn't respond. 
His body was stiff as rock. What was her name? Shrey asked. Balvir did not respond. She tapped him on the shoulder twice and turned to leave him to his private thoughts. She had just walked a few steps when he said, It was a long time ago. Shreya stopped in her tracks and said, I'm sorry, my friend. Her name was Kanjana, Balvir said. The mini portal engine was the size of a small tree. The equipment resembled an elaborate brass wind musical instrument with complex loops of tubing and slides and valves. Sticking out of the right-hand side of the machine was a large horn resembling a flower in full bloom. The horn projected a hazy beam of light that was filled with fiery flitting motes. Chatur Jagan, mage of mages, master of dark arts, emerged from the tear and the fabric of space created by the device and onto the marshy landscape of the Dhanava home planet, Kuru. He was a wizened old man with long grey hair and a beard. His body was lean, but not frail. A fiery determination shone in his eyes. This determination was reflected in his gait, his speech, and even the manner in which he gripped his skull-topped staff. Magical charms, rosettes commemorating battle victories, sacred rosaries and badges celebrating the forms of various animals, birds and reptiles were pinned to his snow-white robes. It was very clear from the way he stormed out of the portal that Chaturjagan was furious. He let out a frustrated scream and lifted up his staff and smashed it repeatedly into the ground till it shattered into pieces. Primitive birds with bat wings and long sharp beaks bolted from their roost in panic as Chaturjagan's rage echoed through the swampland, which was covered in a fine layer of mist. Moss and creeper-laden trees watched over the act of rage like ancient sentinels that knew the secrets of time and creation. When he was done cursing and venting, Chaturjagan was approached by his adopted son, the Dasha named Vidyuman. Father, are you okay? Vidyuman said. Vidyuman was seven foot tall and possessed a stocky build. Half his face resembled a wild boar and the other half was that of a handsome man. His head was clean-shaven and covered in tattoos featuring the heraldry of the various proud units in the Danava army. He wore a deer pelt over his shoulders. Leather wraps decorated with feathers padded his hands. His breastplate was made from the strong bones of a monstrous sea creature and it bore protective rune marks blessed by his father. His tunic was made from the skin of a spotted wild cat 
and his legs were shielded by armor made from a combination of leather and metal. Chadur Jagan's fury subsided slightly when he heard his son's voice. We lost, son, Chadur Jagan said. I saw the fruits of our labor being blown to bits in front of my eyes. They captured the engineers who had risked their lives and the safety of their home planet to build us our portal engine, our device of hope. The generals tell me that our people fought bravely against the Devas. We truly struck a brutal blow to their pride. They have always feared us. Now they will fear us even more. They know we are not going to stop till we kick Indra out of that throne and claim it for ourselves. So do not fret, father. This is but one of the many faltering steps that will lead us to our ultimate goal. Vidyaman said, Vidyaman was now joined by thousands of Dhanava soldiers who had taken a knee in deference to their leader. At your service! Chadurjagan took a few steps forward and placed a hand on his son's chin. Then he said, Centuries ago, when I went to Indrapuri, to the court of Indra, to demand our birthright, you know what he said to me? Parampurusha would not have birthed such ugly, malformed creations. And even if he did, he wouldn't have wanted such abominations to rule Swargaloka and become the masters of the universe. Vidyaman looked away, unable to witness the sadness in his father's eyes. His courtiers laughed at me. Men and women, dressed in the finest of clothes, drowning in jewellery, threw wine on my clothes. Others joined in on the frivolity, chucking fruits and remnants of food picked from between their teeth. Get lost, Lowborn, they bellowed. I swore then and there that one day I would enter those halls as a victorious man and cut out the tongues of those who mocked me that day, Chaturjagan said. Vidyaman stepped forward and embraced his father. And your dreams will come true, father, thanks to your blessings and the might of our brave Dasha and Naga and Daitya brothers and sisters. We will triumph. Mark me, father. The Dhanavas will be the rulers of the universe. May your words come true, my son, Chandrajigan said with a smile as he returned the embrace. Chandrajigan whispered the following into his son's ears. A great game is about to commence, my son. While we may have lost our valuable machine, we have managed to procure a great bounty. And with the aid of our special friends, we will strike a deadly blow at Indra's heart. Around them, the Danavas broke into a mighty cheer which drowned out the disappointment of their defeat and ushered in a new resolve to decimate their hated enemy.